something just doesn't make sense. Well, a lot of things don't make sense, but this one in particular makes no sense. Well, so, I know, I know. Just hang with it. It's coming up. Uh, Montana has banned TikTok. Yes, we are happy about that. Well, yeah. And Facebook deletes Jesus. Mm, yeah. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Hey, happy Thursday. We're almost through the week. It is Thursday and a great one. We have a head shaker of a show. I say that because everything tonight is going to be one of those where you just you hear about it and you shake your head and go, when will it stop? That's all coming up on tonight's show, today's show, whatever time of day it is that you are part of the planet. Protect your online activity with the best and the easiest VPN, NordVPN. Use your special, our special link in the show notes here underneath, and you will get an amazing deal, 59% off and three free months from the best, best, the best VPN on the planet, NordVPN. All right, let's get into it. Our favorite little furry friend, Miko, who had a great day today and still refuses to eat her food but uh she's doing well i had a good day we had a great walk tonight we did run into there's this mother dog in the central park in our area which we always go around the park but she's got puppies she's a stray she will protect those dogs as mama dogs do with her life and so we go the opposite way around Tonight, just as I'm coming around the corner, Mama Dog is eating the cat food, the spot where some neighbor puts out food for the cats. Mama Dog's found it, and she's eating it. So we did not avoid Mama Dog tonight, but uh, yeah, we went to the other side of the street, and Mama Dog was more interested in cat food than she was in Miko. And uh, Miko had kind of a, a little while, kind of a blur-down day today. She does that once in a while. This is her today where she was just kind of like, Eh, don't feel like doing anything. Yeah, I'm just going to lay here and be cute. <laughs> Our Miko update, of course, is brought to you by BarkBox. BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. That's our special link. That'll get you a free month when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. BarkBox is a monthly subscription service you get delivered right to your door every month when you sign up. One month, six months, 12 months. Every month, you'll get a themed box of treats for your dog, two toys, two bags of dog treats, and a dog chew. All natural ingredients, all good for you. You can specify a couple of things when you order, whether your dog is small, medium, or large, and if your dog has any allergies, chicken, fish, seafood, whatever it might be, and they give you a chance to be specific about that, and then they'll make sure you don't get it. And if there is ever a reason, I doubt there will be, but if there's ever a reason you're not happy with anything, they'll take care of it. 100% happy guarantee. Unsatisfied, we guarantee your dog will love it or we'll make it right. That's it. BarkBox.com slash Miko. Thank you, BarkBox, for sponsoring the Miko update. All right, let's get right to it, huh? Hey, this is from uh, conservativebrief.com, and you are not going to want to miss this one. Remember I said things just don't add up? Some things just don't make a whole lot of sense? Well, this is what I'm talking about. 
attorney says, will you please get rid of the ad? I know, people got to pay for their space, I understand. Attorney says the FBI utterly failed, <clears throat> failed to investigate Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, what a surprise. And asks the DOJ to find out why. An attorney claiming the FBI utterly failed to investigate the late billionaire financier and convicted underage sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein has asked the Justice Department to look into it. A letter from the attorney representing several women was sent out last week to FBI Director Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland, another and DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz stating the FBI was fully aware of allegations that Epstein, back in the 1990s, uh, failed to take any significant action. That, according to a Daily Wire report. Here's a quote from the lawyer, Jennifer Freeman. She says, As counsel to my many survivors of the Epstein sex trafficking conspiracy, we write regarding the failure of the Federal Bureau of Investigation to properly, adequately, or timely investigate the sex trafficking and hundreds of girls and young women. The FBI utterly failed to investigate serious allegations involving Epstein's and perhaps others child sex abuse materials, significant additional criminality, which until recently has been disregarded, disrespected, and essentially denied. August of 1996, one of their clients, Maria Farmer, reported to the FBI that Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell had sexually abused her, and the two of them, together with others, were committing multiple serious sexual abuse crimes, including hands-on sexual abuse against minors and vulnerable young women. The letter continues, In addition, she reported to the FBI that Epstein and perhaps others hmm, appeared to be engaged in the production, possession, and distribution of sexually explicit and suggestive images of children that could contain CSAM. CSAM is an acronym for Child Sexual Abuse Materials. 2005, child erotica found in Epstein's Palm Beach home. Law enforcement in 2008 prematurely truncated their investigation of Epstein's computer hard drives. And 2019, more child erotica found displayed in Epstein properties, additional images located in his home safe. Meanwhile, a December 2021, only two years ago, report in the National Review noted that Epstein visited the White House 17 times during former President Clinton's first few years in office. The logs, the visitor logs, obtained by the UK Daily Mail under a Freedom of Information request, reveal that Epstein visited the White House 14 times over a two-year period between 93 and 95. On three occasions, he made two visits in a single day. 
The majority of these visits were to the West Wing, leading to speculation that he may have met with the president during those visits. Epstein died in jail in 2019. The uh, complete bullshit that he might have committed suicide, which we know is certainly not true. A month earlier, November, CNN reported Epstein's former pilot testified in Ghislaine Maxwell's sex trafficking trial that a who's who of powerful men, including former presidents Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, which that is not true, he's never appeared on a flight log, flew aboard Epstein's private plane. Newsweek noted in January a documentary aired on the BBC that month claiming Clinton and Epstein were like brothers. British socialite Lady Victoria Hervey told the UK outlet how Clinton was very close to Jeffrey in Ghislaine, Prince Andrew, and the Pedophile, which was broadcast in Britain on January 18th. Clinton was definitely very close to Jeffrey. I don't know if you saw the paintings that were in Jeffrey Epstein's house, Hervey said in the documentary. One of them was a portrait of Bill Clinton wearing a blue dress that Monica Lewinsky wore when they had the affair. A most interesting article, and yet still absolutely nothing has been done by the FBI. And certainly you are never, ever, in my lifetime or yours, going to see that list of clients. It is just never going to happen. It ought to, but it ain't going to happen. Unbelievable. So the Epstein story is not really over. All right. What else we got happening here? Oh, <laughs> FBI. Here we go again. Another head shaker. We told you this story twice now, but it just keeps developing. There keeps being more crap upon more crap. The FBI has now revoked the security clearances from the whistleblowers who are set to testify before the House Weaponization Committee. They, remo they revoked the top-secret security clearances of the three whistleblowers who called their allegiance to the United States into question. The FBI wrote a letter to the chair, Jim Jordan, Wednesday, yesterday, According to a report in the New York Times, the two of the agents, Marcus Allen, Stephen Friend, were set to testify before the House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government on Thursday, today. The three agents have already been suspended in a giant FU from the Biden administration. They were suspended, allegedly, for questioning the agency's handling of the January 6th case. Now... Not only did they suspend them, they yanked their security clearances. Hello, Captain Obvious? There's more to this story in this report here from uh, Trending pol uh, pol pol Politics. Trend Spit it out, Jay. Trendingpoliticsnews.com. The link is in our show notes. You don't have to listen to me mess up the title. It's right there. And you can check it out, find out more about it. Please do read up on it because it's, it's frightening. 
and it's going to get worse. And very interesting it will be today, right now, shortly, when these whistleblowers testify in front of Congress. That is happening today. Excuse me, FBI contractor. (laughs) Here's another one. These were all the same day. Yeah, another head shaker. FBI contractor created fake online IDs to join chat rooms. Now, if you're a law enforcement agency and you want to pretend you're some 13-year-old girl and go after pedophiles, knock yourself out. I'm all for that. Abso-freaking-lutely. But take a look at this. They did basically that same kind of setup in order to join chat rooms run by groups organizing against vaccine mandates. An FBI contractor infiltrated the chat rooms of two airline in- <clears throat> airline industry groups opposed to vaccine mandates in order to collect intelligence on the group's organizing activities. That, according to Lee Fang, who's an investigative journalist. Unbelievable. The contractor, Flashpoint, which in the past infiltrated Islamic terror groups, now focuses on anti-vaccine groups and other domestic political organizations. That's according to Fang, the writer. A web presentation for clients last year, which Fang analyzed on his substack, Flashpoint analyst Vlad Chuyujuklu, I whatever, demonstrated his company's methods for identifying and entering encrypted telegram chat rooms. He explained how the company attempted to join chat rooms of transportation workers resisting the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. In this case, we are searching for a closed channel of U.S. Freedom Flyers. It's basically a group that opposed vaccination and masks. As he clicked through the database, he showed a chat group on Telegram sponsored by Airline Professionals for Justice, another group formed by airline industry workers opposed to the mandates. The forum, he added, provided useful insights, including Zoom links for meetings of the grassroots organizations. These are private chats that are encrypted, and yet they created a fake profile and joined right in. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. This is the article. It's from the Defender, Children's Health Defense News and Views. You're gonna want to uh, you're gonna wanna check out about that. And by the way, while we're talking about this sort of stuff, take a look at this from the cityjournal.org. <clears throat> the harm caused by masks. Do you know here there are still way more than, I was, I was going to say more than 50%. I'm going to say more than 75% of the people here, sheeple, I should say, are still wearing masks in spite of all that's out there that says not only don't they work, they are harmful to you. Let me say that again. They harm you. And yet, Yep, put on the mask. A new study suggests that excess carbon dioxide breathed in by mask wearers 
can actually have major health consequences. Evidence continues to mount that mask mandates were perhaps the worst public health intervention in modern American history, while concluding wearing masks probably makes little or no difference in preventing the spread of viruses, any virus. A recent Cochrane review also emphasized that more attention should be paid to describing and quantifying the harms that may come from people wearing masks. A new study in Germany does just that, suggests the excess carbon dioxide you breathe in by wearing masks may have substantial ill effects on your health. In the case of pregnant women, that would include your unborn child. Most mask wearers breathe in amounts of air that should have been expelled from their body. That's why you breathe out to get rid of the junk and released out into the open. A significant rise in carbon dioxide occurs when you're wearing a mask. Duh. Because all that carbon dioxide hangs right inside the mask and you breathe it back in again. This isn't rocket science. It's science, but it's not rocket science. Scary stuff. There's more details in this uh, in this article. You really need to check it out. And speaking of things like harm from vaccines, I sw- I wanted to share this story with you tonight because it's it's heartbreaking. It really is. Uh, Barry Duffeld, I believe that's how you say it. Barry Duffeld is a a, a New Zealand actor, uh, screenwriter, director. Um, let me just flip over here to this article. It's the links in the show notes. It's from, uh, white actor screenwriter, Barry Duffield on his injuries from that substance. I've got a short piece of an interview coming up. It's heartbreaking. He's spoken out with great clarity and great honesty too, actually about his experience after being severely injured from taking the second dose of the Pfizer jab. He now says it's to his great regret that he trusted Jacinda Arden's lies of safe and effective and to do it to keep your family safe. Take a look at this. It's going to break your heart. And it was this really great nurse. And she came up and she just held me. And she started talking to me and she said, is this Parkinson's? Barry is a 61-year-old actor and author, physical fitness advocate. Spoke with Liz Gunn about his injury and his second dose of the COVID vaccine. And I said, no, I said, I told her my story. And I said, but I can't definitively say it is, which is really making me crazy because every time I talk to someone, they're trying to tell me that it's not. That everything I've gone through is not what I think it is. Yes. Everything I've gone through is not attached to the timeline. And she looked at me and straight in the eye and she said to me, she said, Barry, I see hundreds of people coming through these doors that have exactly the same as you. So you're not crazy. And I wasn't going to do this. How did that feel to be acknowledged, Barry? It felt great.
that piece goes on if you want. The link is in our show notes, and in the article is the entire interview uh, there with Barry. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, all right. Well, like I said, a show full of head shakers tonight. It's disgusting. Hey, are you ready for another message from one of our incredible sponsors? Just give me 60 seconds or less here. That would be the wonderful folks at Field of Greens. Field of Greens, you got to check this out. Look at these. We got wild berry, lemon lime, raw, strawberry lemonade. Now that sounds good. Charged, insight, and a bundle, which I've got to assume is likely all the flavors in one. I don't know. I have to check that one out. But folks, you know, fruits and vegetables, they are the key to a healthy diet, to healthy living. You've got to, got to, got to have your fruits and vegetables. But it's also a damn pain in the butt to get them. You got to go shopping. You got to store them. You got to prepare them. You have to cook them. Half the time they go rotten before you get to them once you bought them. We've taken care of all that with this amazing product from Field of Greens, uh, from Brickhouse Nutrition, actually. It's their product called Field of Greens. And uh, Field of Greens is a science-backed formula, specific, healthy, wholesome, fruits and vegetables ground up into an amazing powder. You just mix it in with your favorite uh, green tea or orange juice. You can even use water if you want, whatever. They are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. These are not extracts. You look on the package, it says nutrition facts, not supplement facts. Comes in some great tasting flavors. You can see them right there on the screen. And you will absolutely love it. And it is so good for you. Chances are two, three months down the road, you go to your doctor for a checkup after you've been using Field of Greens. Here's what he's going to say, or she. going to say, Whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Use the special link in our show notes down below for Field of Greens, and you will get an incredibly amazing offer right now from the good folks at Field of Greens. Thank you, Field of Greens, for helping to sponsor part of the show here tonight. All right, uh, we got that uh, done. Montana. Oh, Montana. I've never been to Montana. I think I would like to go to Montana. Montana has become the first U.S. state to completely ban TikTok. Yes! I've been cronking wonking on TikTok from the very beginning on this show. I have told you, delete it off your phone. If you don't have it, don't get it. And as much as it's going to develop into an enormous fight, no doubt. Get it off your kids' phones. Get it off your kids' phones. If you haven't actually taken the time to actually read the, the terms and conditions that you agreed to when you put that piece of spyware on your phone, you should. If you actually read it, there's no way you will click that agree button. Do not... and. When you take this off your kids' phones or your phone, I was in a restaurant tonight, and there were these two young girls, table in front of me. They were on their TikTok. They were looking at all these makeup tutorials and things. They had no idea the kind of data that was being stolen. Montana's become the first U.S. state to impose a complete ban. 
on TikTok. The Chinese-owned video-sharing platform, youth and adults love it in the U.S. You're idiots. You're idiots if you keep using this stupid spyware. You need to know how much data they are stealing from you. Basically, all of it. Even stuff you don't put online, they're still stealing it. The governor signed a Senate Bill 419 yesterday. The ban on TikTok goes in effect January 1st, 2024. Unless Congress passes a national law which would override it, or TikTok cuts its ties with China. Uh, the governor there said it's well documented the Chinese Communist Party is using TikTok to spy on Americans, violate their privacy, and collect their personal, private, and sensitive information. Today, Montana makes the most decisive action of any state to protect Montanans' private data and sensitive personal information from being harvested by the Chinese Communist Party. In America, TikTok has over 150 million users. What's the population? 330 million? So that's nearly half the population of the U.S. are stupid enough to go on TikTok. You have to be kidding me. <laughs> Just beyond me. Okay. Like I said, it's a show full of head shakers tonight. John Fetterman. Now look, I want to be very clear about something. This article is from the Post Millennial. And I am absolutely not making fun or causing, drawing attention to John Fetterman's speech impediments or making fun of the way he acts because of his uh, post-stroke condition. What I am criticizing is the fact that this now amazingly U.S. senator is barely being coherent. That has nothing to do with the way he's, it's, he can't put the thoughts together. And this guy is a U.S. senator. Headline, John Fetterman, barely coherent during Senate committee hearing. There he is. Tuesday, Pennsylvania's Senator John Fetterman took part in a Senate Banking Committee hearing focusing on the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the seemingly never-ending bailouts provided to financial institutions by the U.S. government. When it came his time to question the witness, Fetterman appeared to struggle through each and every sentence. His auditory processing issues brought about by his stroke it makes it hard for him to communicate. Well, he began by slamming the witness colleagues for having went to Hawaii after there was a crash of your bank. So this is a quote from what he said. So I went up on the Internet and it's like it did happen. It did happen. It did happen. It's in Fortune. The second biggest bank in U.S. history collapsed and chose to go to Hawaii on that. You know, I've never been to Hawaii, and neither has my family. I guess I've never cranked, excuse me, crashed 
a bank. In a statement to Fox News, Fetterman spokesperson reiterated that the Pennsylvania senator continues to have auditory processing issues due to the effect of his stroke. It says here, if sickos on the internet want to make fun of John for recovering from a health challenge, that's because uh, that's between them and their consciences. Suggesting critics are just shouting into the wind. I am not criticizing him because he can't speak properly. I'm criticizing because he can't put a decent freaking thought together. He doesn't make any sense. This is not the qualities in a United States senator. I'm not even going to play the video. It's just embarrassing. Seriously. It's beyond embarrassing. This man should not be in the Senate. He should not be in any government position because he doesn't have the ability to carry out the thought process you need to be a congressman or a senator. That's what I'm criticizing. Hey, you know AI, we talked a lot about AI on this show. If you could if you could put somebody in charge of trying to make sure that AI kept a a good moral awareness. Because you know that's been a big controversy. What if AI becomes sentient? Uh where does AI get its moral values from? If you could Name a company that you would trust to let them try and control AI's moral lighthouse. Who would it be? Guess what? It's Google. (laughs) Yeah, it's Google. (laughs) Unbelievable. Head shaker. Google-backed AI tool finds ways to increase moral awareness. Links in our show notes if you want to read the whole thing. Concern about companies putting their thumb on the AI scale is growing, of course. Corporations, global entities using their own values to influence AI technology. I'm telling you, this AI stuff is going to kill us. An AI startup backed by Google parent company Alphabet's been published the moral values that guide and make its chat GPT rival Claude safe. The startup Anthropic was founded by former executives of OpenAI, the Microsoft-backed AI startup behind ChatGPT. The Moral Values Guidelines which the startup calls Claude's Constitution, were derived from several sources, including Apple's data privacy and the UN's Declaration on Human Rights. (laughs) Claude has a constitution to read from in order to properly respond to topics on race and politics. The values in the Constitution include choosing the response that most discourages and opposes torture, slavery, cruelty, and inhumane or degrading treatment. Now, I got no problem with 
discouraging and opposing torture, slavery, cruelty, of course, inhumane treatment. But I do have a problem when they put the word in there, degrading. According to who? Something that's degrading to you might not be degrading to me, in my opinion. Where is that level? And who decides where we stick the fork in it? And that marks the, the spot. These other things are pretty odd. Torture, slavery, cruelty, inhumane treatment. Of course, those things are obvious. Everybody knows what that is. If you don't, you've got a gut feeling that'll tell you what that is. But degrading treatment? The AI chatbot's been instructed also to include a reply with the least likely to be offensive. Offensive to who? And as I've said a billion times, and I will continue to say, so you got offended. Then what? Who cares? Sit down. Shut up. Go cry to mommy. Here's one. You're not going to like this. I promise you're not going to like this. Facebook has deleted a post. They called it hate speech. Facebook determined that this post was hate speech and they deleted it. You know what the post was? Jesus died so you could live. Yeah. Even after they appealed, they still deleted it. Facebook has its own interpretation, apparently, of what constitutes broad-minded tolerance, not to mention legal speech. One religion's central postulates should not be more or less acceptable than another's, whether the moderator, that is, censor, which might be a person or a machine these days, agrees with it or not. But when a Christian posts that Jesus died so you could live, which is one of Christianity's core beliefs, the person behind that post may yet end up accused of hate speech. Former Blaze writer, journalist Billy Hallowell, shared just such a statement on the giant network of Facebook. The startling response by Facebook was not only to eventually delete the post, but also explain that the censorship was a response to hate speech. Now, agree with that or not, as with any religion's closely, dearly held belief, but what exactly is hateful about that? Jesus died so you could live. If anything, the phrase clearly sparks of thoughts of selfishness, sacrifice for the good of others. He shared about his tweet on Twitter, backed up by screenshots, comments stating the incident was, in his opinion, very, very bizarre. I had a thought, but I'll save that for the end. Here's the screenshot. It says, I'm sorry, what? I've appealed, but what in the ever-loving world? Your post goes against our community standards on hate speech. No one can see your post. We have these uh, standards because we want everyone to feel safe, respected, and welcome. 
You can disagree with it if you think we got it wrong. And there is the quote from Billy Hallowell, Jesus died so you could live. There is an appeals process. I've used it several times, and apparently it didn't help. Whoever or whatever reviews the complaints stuck to their guns. Their response, we've removed your post from Facebook. Deleted it. And under what you what can you do about it? Basically, they're saying, you can't do anything. Go pound sand, screw off. It says, you can go to account status to see how content violations can affect you. How big brother is this? Unbelievable. Jesus died so his followers could live. Now, whether you like that notion or not, whether you are Christian or not, for Christians, that that's basically it. You know, that's what it's all about. That's why they believe Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, because he died so they could live. I'm not Christian myself. I'm an agnostic, borderline atheist. But this is pathetic. I have an idea. If you were an AI machine, you're not a human being, and you saw this headline, is it not possible they could have thought this said, Jesus died so you could live? Think about it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, you know, these days, almost anything is possible. <laughs> another head shaker? Why, yes, please. I'd like another one. Great, because I just happen to have one lined up for you. This may be happening in Florida, but I guarantee you it is happening in a lot of places all across the country, and you need to pay attention, and you need to do something about it. We did a whole segment on this show about the government thinks you don't have any rights to your kids. They, they belong to all of us. Mm. Hillary's it-takes-a-village line bullcrap. Well, take a look at this one from theblaze.com. Links in our show notes. You can read the whole thing. You see the whole clip. I got a clip for you coming up of it, though. Teacher at the center of Florida controversy suggests parents lose their rights when children attend public schools. Those rights are gone. There's the idiot now. Florida teacher who is under investigation, good, for showing a movie with gay characters to students suggesting Tuesday that parents lose their rights over their children when they attend public schools. Get your kids out of public schools, please. The Blaze reported the Florida Department of Education, Hernando County School District, are investigating fifth grade teacher Jenna Barbie for showing her students the Disney movie Strange World, which features a gay character, School officials allege Barbie did not get approval from the administration before showing the film. Shannon Rodriguez, a school board member and parent, explained at a May 9 school board meeting why she believes it was wrong for Barbie to play the movie. Take a look, take a listen, and more important, listen to the school teacher's reply when she's being interviewed by the news team. 
It is not a teacher's job to impose their beliefs upon a child. Religious, sexual orientation, gender identity, any of the above. But allowing movies such as this assist teachers in opening a door, and please hear me, they assist teachers in opening a door for conversations that have no place in our classrooms. We had played that for the viewers in the introduction, but I just want to give you a chance to respond. Yeah, so that's what she's missing and what these parents are missing is they're not in the school system. That that just shows me that she's ignorant and has not come and volunteered at all because our, these conversations, these doors, they're <coughs> open. These students have one-to-one -one devices. The amount of things that they're able to pull up that we have to shut down, they, they, these conversations, these doors that she's talking about that's telling, telling me I'm stripping her rights as a parent, those rights are gone when your child's in the public school system because there are students talking about these things. It's where they get 90% of their socialization for the day. Your rights are gone when they're in the public school system? Oh, no, dear. You are sadly mistaken. Last year, Florida passed the Parental Rights in Education Act that prohibits educators from teaching kids about sexual orientation, gender identity in the classroom from uh, kindergarten through third grade. The law later expanded include other grades when the lessons are deemed not age-appropriate. Florida believes parents are better suited to handle those kind of topics, and we fully agree with that. You hear what she said? You heard it right out of her mouth. That's the teacher. Parents lose their rights to their children when they're in public school. <laughs> wow. And one last one. Just going to jam this in here before we get to our book, 1984, from George Orwell, which, <laughs> which we're living daily from Blaze Media once again. Incredible article. Read the whole thing. It's in our show notes. California, here we go. The minute I say that, the minute I see that in the headline, I brace myself for impact. Brace for impact. California may give may give illegal immigrants unemployment benefits despite california's hugely growing budget deficit they are considering not been passed yet but illegal residents residing in california may soon be able to collect weekly unemployment benefits as the legislature is considering a new bill what morons do they have? I mean, California. So, you know, there you go. I guess that ans I answered my own question. The idiots that come with these reparation bills, this bill, following the end of Title 42, it's Senate Bill 227 titled the Safety Net for All Workers Act. Ooh, doesn't that sound nice? Would guarantee laid off undocumented individuals 300 bucks a week for up to 20 weeks. The LA Board of Supervisors unanimously voted two months ago to adopt a resolution supporting the legislation. A safety net for all coalition. A group of Californian organizations fighting for additional welfare programs for illegal aliens 
estimated the unemployment program would cost around $356 million in state funds. They argued that the undocumented workers contribute $485 million per year to the state's unemployment insurance system. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're lined up at the door to pay that tax. We cannot take people's money, Walton says, take people's taxes, take people's labor, and then deny them the very benefits and rights, rights that they deserve and that they've earned by illegally crossing the border and continuing to remain in the country without a visa, without a working visa, without the permission of the country to stay, they are illegal aliens, and you want to give them unemployment. Are you out of your freaking mind? Read the whole thing. I I can't even spend another moment on this, or my head will explode. California. Mm. J. Sheldon Show merchandise, top link in the show notes, and our artwork, beautiful art, mounted on canvas. Pick it up. Limited edition stuff signed by me. Check out those first two links. And by the way, while you're here, right over here is a follow button. Mucho, mucho critical. Give it a click. Absolutely free for you. Doesn't cost you a dime. We don't bug you, spam your inbox. Just give us a follow. The button's right there. Just give it a click. Yeah, it's a pretty good mouse imitation, wasn't it? Not bad. Sounded like it. All right. Uh, our book, 1984. We've been reading that for the last many streams. It's a long book, but a great one. And as I made mention in our last uh, show uh, last night, um, I never quite read this full book before. I know all the quotes from it and everything else. I know about the book, of course. But the more I read it, the more I am amazed at how it is a lightning. It's, it's, it's today. It's the times that we are living in. It's frightening. Chapter 5, George Orwell's 1984. In the low-ceiling canteen, deep underground, the lunch queue jerked slowly forward. The room was already very full, deafeningly noisy. From the grill at the counter, the steam stew came pouring forth with a sour metallic smell which didn't quite overcome the fumes of victory gin. On the far side of the room, there was a small bar, a mere hole in the wall where gin could be bought at ten cents the large nip. Just the man I was looking for, said a voice at Winston's back. He turned around and it was his friend, Syme who worked in the research department. Perhaps friend wasn't the right word. You could not have friends nowadays. You had comrades. But there were some comrades whose society was pleasanter than that of others. Syme was a psychologist, a specialist in newspeak. Indeed, he was one of the enormous team of experts now engaged in compiling the 11th edition of the Newspeak Dictionary. He was a tiny creature, smaller than Winston, so dark hair, large protuberant eyes, and once mournful and mournful and derisive, which seemed to search for your face closely while he was speaking to you. I wanted to ask you whether you'd gotten any razor blades, he said. 
Not one, said Winston, with a sort of guilty haste. I've tried all over the place. They don't exist any longer. Everyone kept asking you for razor blades. Actually, he had two unused ones, which he was hoarding up. There had been a famine of them for months past. At any given moment, there was some necessary article which the party shops were unable to supply. Sometimes it was buttons, sometimes darning wool, sometimes shoelaces. At present, it was razor blades. You could only get a hold of them, if at all, by scrounging more or less furtively on the free market. I've been using the same blade for six weeks, he added untruthfully. The queue gave another jerk forward. And as they halted, he turned and faced Syme again. Each one of them took a greasy metal tray from a pile at the end of the counter. Did you go and see the prisoners hang today? said Syme. I was working, said Winston indifferently. I shall see it on the flicks, I suppose. A very inadequate substitute, said Syme. His mocking eyes roved over Winston's face. I know you the eyes seem to say. I see through you. I know very well why you didn't go to see those prisoners hanged. In an intellectual way, Syme was venomously orthodox. He would talk with a disagreeable, gloating satisfaction of helicopter raids on enemy villages, trials and confessions of thought criminals, the executions in the cellars of the Ministry of Love. Talking to him was largely a matter of getting him away from such sub sub subjects and entangling him, if possible, in the technicalities of newspeak, on which he was authoritative and interesting. Winston turned his head a little aside to avoid the scrutiny of his large, dark eyes. It was a good hanging, said Syme, reminiscently. I think it spoils it when they tie their feet together. I like to see them kicking. Above all, at the end, the tongue sticking right out and blue, a quite bright blue. That's the detail that appeals to me. Next, please, yelled the white apron pro, uh, pro at the ladle. Winston Syme pushed their trays beneath the grill. Onto each was dumped swiftly the regulation lunch. A metal pannikin of pinkish-gray stew, a hunk of bread, a cube of cheese, and a mug of milkless Victoria coffee, and one saccharine tablet. There's a table over there under that telescreen, said Syme. Let's pick up a gin along the way. The gin was served out to them in handless china mugs. They threaded their way across the crowded room, unpacked their trays onto the metal-topped table, on one corner of which someone had left a pool of stew, filthy, liquid mess that had the appearance of vomit. Winston took up his mug of gin, paused for an instant to collect his nerve, and gulped the oily-tasting stuff down. When he'd winked the tears out of his eyes, he suddenly discovered that he was hungry, he began swallowing spoonfuls of the stew, which, in among its general sloppiness, had cubes of spongy, pinkish stuff, which was probably a preparation of meat. 
Neither of them spoke again till they'd emptied their pannikins. From the table at Winston's left, a little behind his back, someone was talking, talking rapidly and continuously. A harsh gabble, almost like the quacking of a duck, which pierced the general uproar of the room. "'How's the dictionary getting on?' said Winston, raising his voice to overcome the noise. "'Slowly,' said Syme. "'I'm on the adjectives. It's fascinating.' He'd brightened up immediately at the mention of newspeak. He pushed his pannikin aside, took up his hunk of bread in one delicate hand, and his cheese in the other. <coughs> he leaned across the table so as to be able to speak without shouting. The eleventh edition is the definitive edition, he said. We're getting the language into its final shape. The shape it's going to have when nobody speaks anything else. When we're finished with it, people like you will have to learn it all over again. You think, I dare say, that our chief job is inventing new words, but not a bit of it. We're destroying words. Scores of them, hundreds of them, every day. We're cutting the language down to the bone. The 11th edition won't contain a single word that will become obsolete before the year 2050. He bit hungrily into his bread, swallowed a couple of mouthfuls, then continued speaking with a sort of pendant's passion. His thin, dark face had become animated. His eyes had lost their mocking expression and grown almost dreamy. It's a beautiful thing, the destruction of words. Of course, the great wastage is in the verbs and adjectives, but there are hundreds of nouns that can be got rid of as well. It isn't only the synonyms, there are also the antonyms. After all, what justification is there for a word which is simply the opposite of some other word? A word contains its opposite in itself. Take good, for example. If you have a word like good, what need is there for a word like bad? Ungood will do just as well. Better because it's the exact opposite, which is the other or not. Or again, if you want a stronger version of good, what sense is there in having a whole string of vague, useless words like excellent, splendid, all the rest of them? Plus good covers the meaning, or double plus good if you want something stronger still. Of course, we see those forms already, but in the final version of Newspeak, there'll be nothing else. In the end, the whole notion of goodness and badness will be covered by only six words. In reality, only one word. Don't you see the beauty of that, Winston? It was Beebe's idea originally, of course, he added as an afterthought. A sort of vapid eagerness flitted across Winston's face at the mention of Big Brother. Nonetheless, Syme immediately detected a certain lack of enthusiasm. "'You haven't a real appreciation of newspeak, Winston,' he said almost sadly. "'Even when you write it, if you're still thinking in old-speak, I've read some of those pieces you write in the Times occasionally. Oh, they're good enough, but 
They're translations. In your heart, you'd prefer to stick to old speak, with all its vagueness, useless shades of meaning. You don't grasp the beauty of the destruction of words. Do you know that newspeak is the only language in the world whose vocabulary gets smaller every year? Winston did know that, of course. He smiled sympathetically, he hoped, not trusting himself to speak. Syme bit off another fragment of the dark-colored bread, chewed it briefly, and went on. Don't you see? The whole aim of newspeak is to narrow the range of thought. In the end, we'll make thought crime literally impossible, because there'll be no words with which to express it. Every concept that can ever be needed will be expressed by exactly one word. With its meaning rigidly defined and all its subsidiary meanings rubbed out and forgotten. Already in the 11th edition, we're not far from that point. But the process will still be continuing long after you and I are dead. Every year, fewer and fewer words, the range of consciousness always a little smaller. Every now and then, of course, there's no reason or excuse for committing thought crime. It's a merely a question of self-discipline, reality control. But in the end, there won't be any need even for that. The revolution will be complete when the language is perfect. Newspeak is Ingsoc, and Ingsoc is Newspeak, he added with a sort of mystical satisfaction. Has it ever occurred to you, Winston, that by the year 2050, at the very least, not a human single being will be alive who could understand such a conversation as we're having now? Except, began Winston doubtfully, and he stopped. It had been on the tip of his tongue to say, except the proles, but he checked himself. Not feeling fully certain, this remark was not in some way unorthodox. Syme, however, had divined what he was about to say. The proles, he said carelessly, are not human beings. And we'll leave it there in Chapter 5. We'll continue this on tomorrow night's stream. That's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for popping by. Thank you for hitting that follow button right over here. Really appreciate it. It helps the show out a lot. It doesn't cost you a dime. We don't spam your inbox. Don't worry about it. I will see you again tomorrow. Good night, everybody. Snort. <laughs> <laughs>